Hey, folks, in this episode of the podcast, we're going to find out why Valerie Jardin, the intrepid street photographer, is no longer hitting the streets virtually. This is Twitter. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of sitting down with a longtime friend of mine, fellow podcaster, photographer, educator, Valerie Jardin. Valerie, welcome to the show. How the heck are you? Hey, Frederick. I'm doing really well. I'm actually so happy again because I'm actually back on the real streets, but you're right. I don't... <laughs> hit the streets <laughs> virtually anymore. Well, and then for the, f the folks that don't know, uh, the hit the streets was the name of your podcast. podcast. And, mm -hmm. I, and sadly, I'm using the word was the name of your podcast. Although it's not gone, it will live on in perpetuity, right? People can still go yeah, listen to, to several seasons. <laughs> yeah, I have to figure yeah, that like out. Do <laughs> I have to keep paying every month for the episodes to be a uh, to be available, I have to kind figure of, that out. So. Kind of, yeah, kind yeah. of. It's kind of like rent, Valerie. Kind of, you can so stop paying your rent. So hurry up and listen to all the episodes quickly because I may not pay forever. Okay, <laughs> pull them down now because Valerie's Valerie's gonna pull the episodes down and make <laughs> NFTs from them and then you know <laughs> sell them that way. But for those that don't know, Hit the Streets was a really popular podcast that Valerie was that she created was the host of and and brought street photography to thousands and thousands of people who hung on her, her every word. And sadly, a couple of weeks ago, Valerie, you decided to no longer do the podcast. So tell, tell us why. why. Why is Hit the Streets no more? Well, it, it was... Okay, so it's, it's been eight years of podcasting without taking a break. I went from Street Focus, and a lot of TWIP listeners remember Street Focus, back eight years ago. Uh, don't don't use numbers network. like that with me. I, I, I hate know. when people, these numbers are sad, <laughs> so, so don't tell me. <laughs> they're sad. And then, um, and then I, I switched to uh, a podcast under my own brand from one week to the next. And, and then it was nonstop uh, for another nearly 200 episodes. And, uh, and then I figured, oh, I'm going to take the summer off. First time ever that I took two months off podcasting. And then I realized in August that I did not miss it at all. <laughs> and that just the thought of going back to my normal travel schedule where I'm on a plane teaching a workshop somewhere in the world every month, pretty much. And then having enough episodes in the can before the fall season and so forth just was not appealing. And uh, so I said, well, I could quickly find four guests for to record next week before I get on the plane, or I could not do it. And I decided not to do it. It was as simple as that. So, wow. I, wow. Uh, and I don't, I don't miss it. I miss the people. And actually, you know, sometimes you, you kind of feel invisible when you're a podcaster. Mm -hmm. Very few people will send you notes. I mean, you, you'll get people sending you little notes like, oh, this is so great. Mm -hmm. You changed my commute, blah, blah, blah. But overall, you'll hear more from complainers than from people who love it. And then I stopped and I released the last episode. And then I received seriously a hundred messages from people who said, what are we going to do now? We love, we never miss an episode. I'm like, where were all those people mm -hmm. <laughs> all those eight years, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you don't, it's like nobody complains about the train that's running on time, right? That's exactly and, uh, right. Yeah. 
<laughs> so so it felt I felt kind of bad because I I was enjoying it. Um, and I knew that people listened in 153 countries and the numbers were good. Although I wasn't really concerned about numbers. I really did it because I, I loved it. And then, uh, but there's also the part of, you know, finding new guests every week or every other week and, and recording ahead of time and guests who don't show up or they, they decide at the last minute, oh, well, no, let's do this next month because I'll have something to sell or something. And that just got to be like, ugh. Do I really mm -hmm. want to do this? Yeah. And so I decided, no, this was never one of my top top photography gigs. This was always kind of something on the side. And and I'm so busy with other things. I'm like the podcast, the podcasting was always, you know, a way to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. And I gave back. I gave plenty for eight years. And now I feel like, okay, I kind of need a break because yeah. I, I, I want that time to be spent doing other things that I'm, I'm always running, always running. And, and uh, so now I have that little bit of time and I have more time to be the guest on others podcasts, which actually I was turning down a lot of them because, you know, when you're a podcaster, the last thing you want to do is to be a guest on another podcast. And mm -hmm. so now I have time to do that. And I feel like I have a lot to share. So I'm actually really excited about that. So thank you for having me on the show. Frederick. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, it's it's interesting. A lot of what you're saying is resonating because, yeah, I mean, if you in, in you know, yeah, it can become a grind. Yeah. And all for all the reasons that you mentioned, you know, notwithstanding guests, you know, scheduling and flakiness and time zones and equipment kerfluffle, you know, all that oh, stuff, gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it all comes in. It's part of being it's part of the podcasting game. But, you know, I'm really you know, if I can be so bold as to say I am proud of you, that you, you have never been the one to shy away from change and evolving yourself and bold change. Like, like the like part of it, if folks that may not know you don't know, may not know that you have chosen to shoot with a, Fuji, a Fujifilm X series camera. <laughs> solely that's it for eight <laughs> years that's it right you go out there this all this this huge wonderful body of work that you've created is all with with a fixed lens yeah. camera you're not into the whole mirrorless thing and mm -hmm. all these lenses and lights and tripods and drones and 360 and all this stuff it's that camera right? i have it's, all my money in the bank not in gear yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so tell me about I have that all so, my money in adventures not in gear it's that's, it's that's exactly what i want to switch to i want to talk about that so this latest adventure away from podcasting so we close that door we're on to the next chapter of valerie um not to say that you won't reopen the podcasting chapter at some point in the future right you could do that if you wanted to yeah you have the skills. possibly yeah i i yeah. just follow my heart and everything i do so um my heart wasn't into it. I was certainly, you know, when I stopped working for clients 10 years ago, I, I did my last client gig and decided to to devote my time to educating, inspiring, traveling for my for my photography and 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 inspiring others. I had pledged to myself that I would never do something that feels like work. And mm -hmm. and and the podcast felt like all of a sudden felt like a burden. And I I said, why would I put myself through that? I'm doing what I love to do. I don't need the podcast. The podcast is not, you know, doesn't bring in revenue. It costs money. And uh, I, you know, I had fun doing it. But then if it stops 
being fun. Why would I do that? So yeah. um, that's how I that's how I live my life. And mm -hmm. and every every day is precious. And I'm certainly not going to spend more time doing things I don't like than I have to. So absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, mm -hmm. and I, that's if I've learned one thing over the last. 18 months to two years is life is precious and <laughs> we don't right. tomorrow is not guaranteed so do what you want to do today um yeah. well so let's let's switch gears and talk about how the, these workshops are going and and how you know speaking of the last couple of years this pandemic stuff and COVID and all that stuff has kind of put the brakes on that a lot but now you're kind of getting back into it and things are starting to thaw out a little bit how's that going Oh, it's so good to be back because, and I'm glad when when this whole pandemic started that we didn't know how long things would be on hold. I thought, how am I gonna, how I'm gonna, you know, survive without doing what I love the most for the next three months, and then a year and a half later, you know, workshops were still being canceled because borders were closed and such. So, uh, just restarted. Actually, I started in June with a Minneapolis workshop, which was amazing, and then London had to be. Uh, canceled because half the group couldn't get into the country and then uh and then just back now from the week-long normandy workshop and it was just phenomenal it was exactly like the last normandy workshop i did in 2019 there was no difference everybody was a hundred percent focused on learning having fun making new friends uh eating good food and um no one I don't think anyone said the word COVID for a week and it felt so good. So um, just back from that one and heading to Paris uh, in a couple of weeks. So and next year looks busy. Uh, a lot of the workshops are full or almost full. So um, people are ready. People are so done staying home and being afraid. You know, people are vaccinated. Things are things are really good in Europe. Doing yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Uh, there's still that anxiety level when you get back in the states, that's for sure. But uh, things are so good there. What is it? What does it look like? Take me through the flow of somebody that's you know maybe listening to this and like, yeah, damn it, I want to go on one of these trips. I need to get out of the United States for a minute <laughs> and do yeah. some photography. I want to go with Valerie. How to? What's the flow? What's covered? What's not covered? What does a workshop look like? Uh, well, the covered it all depends. Like the one I just taught, the Normandy workshop is my all super luxury all-inclusive workshop so that one is you get picked up with a private chauffeur in paris and brought to a five-star luxury beachfront hotel the most beautiful hotel north of, of paris actually right on the coast and then a week later you get brought back to paris with the same same service so that one is is the only one now that's all-inclusive um well except we don't have, we'll always have dinner together of course because you want time to on your own and time to shoot but every day we have adventures with that same service and the chauffeur that's that's just for us and so um that one is the only one like that it's very unique it's very popular because um well nobody nobody else does that and it's home so it's really it's literally my home i have a, a place there now that's just five minute walk along the beachfront from the Grand Hotel where my students stay for the week. So it's it's special. My family's from there. I have so much family history and it's such a, a beautiful part of the country and so rich with history. So that one is, a, it's not just street photography, it's about visual storytelling in general. So it, it's so much more than just street. Otherwise workshops um, now, it used to be that 
hotel was included. I don't do that anymore. It's pretty much I give suggestions. We just, um, you know, I rent a conference room and then we have adventures every day. So meals are included, but the hotels are up to people because people have different. Um, it used to be I made it really difficult for myself for many years where everything was included. But uh, people want to do Airbnb or people want to do luxury hotel or people want to do something a lot less costly. So now I, I uh, give suggestions and then people book their own uh, their own um, accommodations. And it's worked a lot better and it sure is easier for me now, too. <laughs> yeah. So they get themselves there. So they, they cover airfare um yep. and their accommodations and then the workshop itself is is a schedule so you'll say hey yep. okay everybody day one be here for the orientation at this time mm -hmm. and you guys kind of hang out and you set the rules and then from there then de then you said meals are included are you paying for meals some of or? them yeah usually okay. uh like you know three meals like a welcome and a goodbye dinner for sure they all, they're all very different because some are weekends some are three days some are four days some are a week so they all completely different format why are they a different? lot more options well because i find that um the week-long workshops will usually be more americans and australians but they still can't travel so i won't see australians for a little while mm. uh and then but the the three day two day or three day workshops i can have 10 people from 10 countries and that's a lot of fun too because europeans don't travel the same as americans do they they'll do a, a weekend thing but they won't necessarily go for a week long on a week-long workshops i'll only have usually one or two europeans whereas on uh, on shorter workshop like three days i could have several european countries and some americans and canadians or whatever but um it's a lot more diverse as to and i think it's a different dynamics it's a lot of fun so i do it actually for me because i like the diversity i like to have um I like to have a diversity of, of people and I like to be able to accommodate to, uh, you know, people who can't do the full luxury thing, but still want to learn street photography for two days in Paris. And so, yeah, so now I have a lot of different, uh, more flexibility and, uh, and that's been a lot of fun. And I hate to put you in the spot, but I got to ask because I'm kind of asking for me. So I am my listener. <laughs> Uh, what what am I looking at if I want to come to Paris? So I'm coming out of I, you know who knows what the airfare is from. Super cheap know. now. It's the best time to travel. Yeah, so Air, out of San Francisco, so San Francisco oh gosh, to Paris, and then yeah. accommodations, and then your fee. What am I looking at out of pocket? Well, it depends. If you stay three days, it could be you know your your airfare right now from San Francisco. You can probably get flights round trips under 500 bucks so mm, mm, uh into next year so i think that's why people are really booking because if they can if they can get their airfare and then it depends the workshop goes from uh, you know 750 bucks to almost five thousand dollars it depends what you want to spend and what you want to do and if you want super luxury or just uh just tuition and quick weekend paris so yeah so pretty it. much anybody <laughs> any pretty much anyone can find something that works if they really want to do it and they want to plan for it. Mm -hmm. And I can vouch for because uh, I came along on one of your workshops several years yep. ago and I can vouch for the workshop was amazing. Uh, I mean, you're in Paris, right? So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but you know, there are Parisians who take the Paris workshop. So, you know, what? that's when you actually know that you don't come for the destination ever. You come for the experience. So um, 
So yes, when it's your first time in Paris, but most people who go on the Paris workshop, they've been there 20 times. So it's nothing new for them, but they see it for the first time again when they come on a workshop. So that's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was, it was amazing. I remember, I, I, and I tell you this almost every time we talk, I remember wondering what, what power source Valerie Jardin has discovered <laughs> or is she an Android or like, why, why is she able to walk at such a pace and take us to all these amazing places and never break a sweat. You're just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you love what you do, it's, uh, I, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I've never been tired of walking for one thing. I've never ever said, Oh, I'm tired. I need to sit down. I'm standing as I'm recording this. I never sit. So. Yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. So, so okay. So, so that's the workshop piece of it. So it's a range, right? So it could be a couple yeah. of days. It could be a week long. It could be all inclusive. Yep. It could, it could, you know, you pick your own hotel. If you're broke and you want to stay in a hostel, you can that's do that. Right. You can if do you're that. loaded yeah. and you want to stay in the presidential suite at the Ritz Carlton <laughs> Paris, you can do that. You, can do right? that. <laughs> you know, actually, um, at least people who come out of my workshop haven't spent all their money on gear to go yeah. to the work to go on the workshop so uh the, people are better off spending money on education at least they'll get something out of it i i never yeah. get it when people you know spend all that money on new gear i, I don't get it do they actually become better photographer for it uh, it's no. less it's, that's it's a yet placebo. to be determined <laughs> well, let's talk about that a little bit, um, just because I'm, I love your your approach to photography, the minimalistic, you know, it, it, I, I say minimalistic, but minimalistic sounds intentional, like you're just, you know, I'm just trying to prove a point by doing less with more. You literally don't enjoy the like there's a lot of photographers that are just like hey what's the next version of photoshop oh. or what's this yeah. and what's that or hey this drone now has this many megapixels and can fly <laughs> for this long you know you are polar opposite of all those people though you respect them you just you play in your own world of just capturing light and shadow with that little camera and in walking around and enjoying yourself talk can you talk a little bit about your philosophy when it comes to though because i'm sure you've had people come on your workshops that are loaded up with backpacks full of gear you <laughs> not know. anymore actually because i really do think that's one thing people embrace when they come on my workshops that they're going to shoot with uh one camera one lens for a week and a lot of people will bring backup stuff, but then they find that, wow, this is liberating. And I see so much better and that I'm just, you know, focusing on seeing and not on switching lenses or, or settings. So, um, it's really the, the, the whole point is to get, to get the camera out of the way so that you can focus on the important thing, which is seeing. And I find that people who, um, come with more with simpler gear or even use their phone um, will will learn so much more and and see better quicker than people who are who have so much gear you know 10 years ago when I started teaching workshops internationally they would be like nine DSLR for one mirrorless and then quickly it just you know, kind of reversed itself, like maybe three years ago, I still have a one DSLR in the group, but now I haven't seen a DSLR in, in years. Uh, so, um, and, and a lot of people will have a similar camera. My, my works, although I'm a Fujifilm ex-photographer, 
Fujifilm has nothing to do with my workshops. And I really don't care what people shoot with. Honestly, uh, when people ask me, which camera should I get? I, I can't even, I don't even, I don't tell them, oh, you should get this one. It's a Fuji. That's what I shoot with. No, because it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people want the flexibility of having a um, inter interchangeable lens system, which is totally fine. Actually, I tried one. Uh, you'll laugh because I tried one on my trip to France in May. And I uh, it was a new camera. Fuji asked me, "Oh, could you take pictures with that for the for our um, online thing?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's a 50 millimeter, 50 millimeter lens." I mean, seriously, I had to back up all the time. I, I thought <laughs> I should probably have like like beep 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 because <laughs> I was like so out of my comfort zone. And so uh, I hated the experience. I'm like, it's so counterproductive to my creativity to have to learn to use first a new camera because settings were a little different. And then a focal length that has no consistency with my body of work. And uh, yeah. it, it made no sense. I, I quickly returned it after I got back. I'm like, eh, I don't, you know, I don't even <sighs> want to keep it. So um, oh, I, I, I have, I love what I have. I have two. That's my only requirement. I just need two of each edition of the mm -hmm. X100 because For I backups. have one that has the rain, well, backup, and then one that has a rain kit because now it's it's weather resistant, except that the front element cannot be sealed. So uh, you need to put a filter in front of the front, in front of the lens, but I don't shoot with filters. So uh, I need one for every day and then I need one for rainy day. So, uh, but I, the rainy day camera only comes out on rainy days. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. How do you, how do you find the, what's the best way for sharing the work? You know, the, the shots that you do either, either on a workshop or, you know, I know you did during the pandemic, you did a lot of things around your town, um, at home. Like, mm -hmm. what, how do you share that stuff? Is it mainly through the website? Is it Smug Mug? Is it something no, else? No, um, Instagram uh, mm -hmm. only now. Uh, I don't I don't post on Facebook. And so Instagram. And then uh, if I'm working on an ongoing series, I have a portfolio um, in my uh, portfolio gallery in my on my website with each series that I'm working on. So I add to them regularly. Yeah. So. Wow. That's about it. Yeah, Instagram is pretty much it. Uh, I don't, f it, it really is where I post uh, stories when I'm on workshop. I'll post videos, uh, you know, action videos of workshop uh, outings that we do or uh, students at work. And uh, so I, I post a lot on stories, but I only post one photograph a day on my, you know, um, in on, on Instagram. I think that's important to not to put post too many. I mm -hmm. tend to unfollow people who post like 10 pictures in a row because mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. like, no, that's just too much. Um, so I really recommend regularity. It's good to be on a schedule, but just minimal, like one picture, two at most, but it's best if they actually uh, on the same post, like you can post several pictures in one post and people can flip through them if they want to, but if they only want to see one, well, pull, put the best one in front. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And then I so blog still a little bit, but, and then I, I've been teaching online a lot for the past year and a half and writing more books. So I think that's also one of the reasons where the podcast, which was yet another online experience, just mm -hmm. became too much because yeah. I was really starving the human interaction. And yeah. so uh, that was 
yeah, that was way too much online stuff for me. Yeah. I'm no. a people person. Yeah, yeah, get it. It's a lot. It's a lot. And <laughs> you you take on, you know, I would say a good 50 to 75% more than the average carbon-based life form. You know, you are, you, are, yeah. you are that ant. And Valerie, you're that ant carrying a giant leaf. That's who you are. <laughs> like, how yeah. the hell is she carrying that leaf? You know, you just, and you do it effortlessly like the ant. Because um, I love it. Because you love the leaf. Because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need a t-shirt with the ant on it with a leaf that says, <laughs> love right. the leaf. The secret to life is loving the leaf. Right. Oh. Um, so, so you know, before we wrap up, I want to chat a little bit about just street photography in general. You know, people that are listening probably saw your name in the podcast feed come up and they're like, street photography, finally, you know, <laughs> give me some tips on street photography for getting out there, you know, and you and I have spoken before, so I know some of this, but, you know, what, take it, there's a, I know it's a whole world that you can't compress okay. into two minutes, but l for someone that is, that wants to get into street photography, but hasn't because of the perception of invasion of people's privacy, you know, especially these days, you know, or, you know, what, what would you say to the person that says, yeah, I want to grab my Fuji X series camera and go into the city near me and do a photo story on homeless or global warming, whatever, you know, what, what would you say? What's some advice that you give? Well, them? first of all, if you, you, you get into street photography because you love people. And if you love people, you're respectful of them. And granted, there are plenty of disrespectful street photographers out there that, that make it more difficult for the rest of us. But um, just respect is really the one rule. And then, of course, the fact that nothing is staged or posed or directed. Uh, that's another obvious rule. Otherwise, why do it? If it's if it was easy, it wouldn't be any fun, right? Yeah. So it's totally candid. And, and I even wrote a book about how to do street photography without revealing the identity of your subject. If that's the way you prefer to do it, that's totally fine. You can certainly have uh, approach it very differently. You don't have to be in people's faces and you certainly don't have to always show people's faces to do um, meaningful work. So there's so many ways to approach it, but it really is about opening your heart to the beauty of everyday life. That is what street photography is. So uh, it doesn't have to be all happy all the time and people kissing, no, but life is beautiful and and it's when you freeze a, a moment a story and a frame um and 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 the elements come into come together in that fraction of a second and yet still leave room for the imagination because you never really know the, the full story then i i don't i can't think of any genre of photography where you'll get that satisfaction because it is so difficult and a lot of people don't understand don't understand street photography um a lot of people think that it's staged or, po or posed mm -hmm, or things mm -hmm. like that but no real real documentary photography is just like photojournalism nothing is i i don't i I don't even spend five seconds on a picture in Lightroom, so um, I don't sort of don't clone things. I I barely crop things, if ever. Um, it's I choose black and white or color before I press the shutter. Those are all decisions I make, so I'm quite a purist. But uh, but that's totally up to you, honestly. Mm -hmm. The only mm -hmm. person you have to please with your photography is yourself. So yeah, yeah. Which is a you hit on two questions that I wanted to ask you. One of them 
is uh, street photography. Well, I have several questions. Street photography, is it synonymous with photojournalism? Is it just another way of saying photojournalism? Or what's the difference? Is well, maybe a better way? Well, except that in photojournalism, you will, you know, look for sometimes sensationalism and things like that, which in street photography, you don't. It's really freezing a moment of everyday life. But the approach of true street photographers is very similar in the way that they're not going to touch up clone things or direct things. So the ethics of street photography is very much like true photojournalism. And yet again, there's it's true right. photojournalism. And then you find out that, oh, well, maybe they've cloned this or that. So true photojournalism in the sense that nothing is uh is change so i i certainly don't uh don't touch up my my photograph where i won't remove things from the frame but some people who want to sell their work and and do more of a fine art uh, street photography and i do too like if silhouettes and such i don't touch up because i find that it's part of the merit to to get the unwanted elements out of the frame in camera. But uh, people will touch up, you know, if they want to sell their prints or something. And that's totally fine. I mean, again, it's their own work. Um, but people who actually pose their subject or direct people on the streets and call that uh, street photography or document fo documentary photography, that is, that is plain dishonest. Mm -hmm. That is directing people and it has nothing to do with street photography. So um, it's often a debate because a lot of people do that and don't and, and make it pass as documentary photography. Well, it's not because you remove the you remove the challenging element out of the equation right there. Right. You're so, cheating. Yeah. And it would be it wouldn't be any fun. So uh, so that is really the way I teach it. It's really about being in tune with life around you at every moment, the way light will hit a certain place and then you see a beautiful subject come through that light and then be ready for that moment or you see an expression of joy and uh, you you get closer and closer and closer while remaining invisible and then get the shot so it's really being up close not being afraid to be up close but again you can certainly shoot it in a more minimalist way and less obtrusive way and and i know that people are concerned about that and i and a couple of years ago that's when i actually wrote that ebook that's been very popular because um because people realize that oh well i don't have to be in people's faces and i urge people not to be in, in, in provoking people that's so ugly so uh don't bring a flash and flash people's faces and run away. That is not the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's refreshing to hear to hear your approach to it because, you know, it, the, the specifically the lack of post-processing, you know, and how mm -hmm. you're shooting a couple seconds on the image and, and you're on to the next one. Because I think a lot of folks get hamstrung with, you know, I've gone on this trip and I've, I've shot all these photos and now this is another three hours of post-processing that I have to do on each image to get it ready to share. I see, so I'm just going to leave them on the hard drive till I get around to it, right? You're not, not in that camp at all. And you right? can't even do that to a street photograph. Either you have a, story, a compelling story or you don't. There's nothing you can do to change that. So if it takes more than a few seconds, I trash it because it's not worth it. So, And nothing will make it a compelling um, story. So um yeah it's either good or it's not good does street photography have to be black and white 
No, absolutely not. I Some people only shoot black and white. Some people only shoot color. I totally let the subject make the decision in the fact that if the subject is all about color and the story is about color, I'm going to shoot it in color, in camera. If the subject, if, if the color is too distracting, then black and white makes more sense. Often color will distract to the point that the emotion doesn't even go through. Like when I was in Cuba, everybody thinks of Cuba as a colorful place. I shot more black and white because I felt there was so much color that it distracted from the emotion of the of the place and the people that I photographed. So black and white removed all that uh, distraction and then you focus more on the subject longer. And so those are decisions no matter what you should make before you press the shutter, even if you can change it later. But it's very rare that a photograph will be as strong in color and black and white. Very, very rare. It's usually mm -hmm. instantly you can see, oh, this is color or this is black and white. And uh, it's interesting when I do portfolio reviews or critiques and I and I see that somebody um, I, why they, they shot or they converted into black and white. And I always ask why. And uh, and then we go back and say, no, the, the color was stronger. And then I show them why or vice versa. But it's more difficult to shoot in color for sure. Um, it's less giving. But um, but really, it's all, there are photographs that I have only because it's color. In black and white, I would have never kept it. But it's mm -hmm. all about color. And and converting a, a photo that in black and white would make absolutely no sense. There would be nothing left. So it's really a it's really about the subject. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. There's so much here. It's so much. <laughs> we can speak so, for hours. So, so it turns out street photography is pretty deep. You know, there's a lot going it on. It is very deep. Have you, have you ever you ever considered, uh, I know you do video clips and that kind of thing for Instagram stories and all that. Have you ever considered incorporating video clips into street photography and capturing that element of motion and maybe natural sound instead of just a still? Quote, no, just because, because that's the thing about street photography. It's really that decisive moment. Mm -hmm. And and it's about cap seeing it and seeing it and capturing in that fraction of a second. And so that's where the the challenge is. But because it is a challenge, that's why it is so addicting. If if we were to freeze a frame from a video, for example, because people have thought of that. Well, you take again, you're taking the challenge out of the equation. And if mm -hmm. it's too easy, it becomes boring very quickly. So if it was easy, no one would do it, honestly, because it would just become just if it's too easy, it loses its appeal. And it's because of that constant challenge. And and you're never there. You're never the best street photographer ever. You constantly will challenge yourself to finding more difficult, more challenging situations getting closer or working with more difficult lights that you're never bored. And and honestly, when you, um, I always warn people who come on their first workshop, first of all, they'll probably do a few more. And second, they will, uh, they will get hooked. Uh, but then, you know, they're never going to be bored again. You know, you wait for a train or you wait for a plane and there you're doing street photography. So you you can do this anywhere. So mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, last last question here. So I've been on this, this sort of tangent of I know the, the anti Valerie Jardin way, but this tangent of learning about uh, the viability of mobile 
a mobile-based workflow? Like, what does that look like? You know, especially considering the new iPhone 13s and the, you know, the whiz-bang cameras they have in there. I have a 12. Uh, what do you think about the viability of using mobile phones or a mobile workflow versus your mirrorless or Fuji X series all the way through? Is it possible? Can you, can oh, you do street photography? Absolutely, and people only do uh, street photography with phones, and uh, nobody can tell the difference half the time. So it's it's definitely where it's going, but there will always be room for for our little camera. I think it's the 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 tangible aspect of it that we're going to miss. I mm -hmm. I use my phone just to photograph my dog, and you know. Uh, everyday things we do as a family um, parking spaces that kind of thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but honestly uh i don't get much satisfaction even though i have a 12 as well and you know you do the portrait mode and it's pretty cool you gotta admit it's getting better and better but mm -hmm. it's like yeah but it's, it's making all the decisions for you so mm -hmm. you know you it's still it doesn't give you that same satisfaction and i think it's going to be a it may never so i think there will always be room for uh people that are more purists just like there is room for people to shoot film and and there's plenty of film is still very well very much alive and so yeah. um i i think definitely cameras i mean i would be worried as a camera manufacturer today because uh yeah, the phones are getting better and better and better. It's crazy. And we always have a camera with us. So um, actually, somebody interviewed me yesterday and said, what What would you do if I took your camera away? And I asked, well, it depends. Am I keeping my phone or do I have nothing <laughs> nothing left to take pictures with? Because that makes a big difference. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with a phone. It's just, just not the same experience. That's yeah. all. Yeah. yeah and eventually I mean, like, you won't, you know, there won't be any, a difference between the, the quality of the It's very now. close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's very, it's very close. It's scary close. Yeah. And you hit it right on the head. You know, if I was a camera manufacturer and what is it? Two plus trillion dollar company, Apple had this IP, you know, with all this crazy technology and these iPhones and ubiquity across the planet, a built-in installed base. And then one day Apple says, you know what? Let's go. Let's throw a couple of billion at making a pro or semi-pro camera again. Because remember, back in the day, they made a camera called the Quick Take. Um, Apple did, and, that, and then it, you know, failed or went away, or they gave up on it. But what if they were to reinvent that and take the the power and the learnings and all that magic and the ecosystem, the app ecosystem, and put that in something that's semi-pro? That might be yeah. interesting. Or, you know, I mean, they got trillions of dollars. They could just buy Fuji, right? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but then sometime, you know, you you see a sunset, you want to take a picture. The sunset is going to turn out a lot better quicker with a phone than it will with your camera any day. Right. So, right. you know, there, there are times where I, I'd much rather use my phone. It's uh, yeah. it, it does the work for me. And, you know, in things that are not so creative, like shooting a sunset, which mm -hmm. I rarely do. But if I was to... It definitely looks better on my phone. So, yeah. Valerie, yeah. before you, does your street photography mainly focus on people, or or can other elements be in there, like cracks in the street, or you know, a <laughs> no. weed, a weed growing up from a manhole cover, or something <laughs> like that? No, the street photography really in, implies the human element or mm -hmm. the idea of humanity. So, if it's like a discarded shoe on the sidewalk, that could 
be considered street. Uh, but if it's a building, then it's architectural. So those are two different things. But um, yeah, in a story of a place, as a street photographer, you want to capture, if you want to tell the story of, of San Francisco, you're going to have, you know, people or the idea of people. They could be mm-hmm. something like, as I said, a discarded shoe or something that will tell a story. That's not the one that's probably going to be, um, you know, on your wall, but in a story of a place, it will have it will have its place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like chewing gum stuck to a doorknob or something. A, a human <laughs> put it there, right? So that's it, right. It, it so tells that's a story. debatable. Like yeah. people don't even think that street portraits where you actually have eye contact or an interaction with the subject is part of street photography. But, you know, why not? Um, it's a different type of street photography, but it's still a stranger. It's on the street, except that there is an acknowledgement that you're taking the picture. So um, some people prefer it that way. Uh, because they they feel like they're not invading their privacy, mm-hmm. and other people find it a lot more challenging, even because then they have to actually have an interaction with someone. So, I think there is a there is a way to to shoot this beautiful genre of photography for everyone, whether you're extroverted, introverted, shy or not. Um, there there is a way for everyone to get started. Yeah. Yeah, and the the law, at least in the United States, that allows or quote, allow street photography to be possible is uh, the the whole thing around expectation of privacy in public places, right? So th- for folks that but, are thinking, yeah. yeah, so maybe you can define it and tell us what the real deal is around well, taking pictures of I, people. I'm not a lawyer, but yes, and, and it's pretty much the same everywhere. People always hear about the privacy laws in France, for example, but um, you know, people are in public and as long as that's why it's so important to be to be respectful as long as you're not photographing someone in an embarrassing situation or in a vulnerable situation um or in an illegal situation mm-hmm. then there is there is they have nothing they have nothing to go for they would have to someone would actually have to prove that you did damage to them with a photograph so there's nothing in my work for example and i've i've talked with lawyers and and who who work in this field there's nothing in my work for example that would people would feel you know offended to Mm -hmm. be you know portrayed actually uh on the opposite it's happened that people or people know people someone knows someone they see on my some of my pictures and then they connect us and they're thrilled when um, I can send them the picture or the file uh, for them to make a print. I love when that happens. And uh, I've never had someone say, oh, could you take this down? It's terrible. Or, oh, I've seen, no, never. It's always been a great experience, whether it's somebody in Germany, in Australia, or in France, or in the States, anywhere. Whenever I'm, you know, people see themselves, either on Instagram or so, um, they, they love it. They always find like, wow, I would never have that picture of me. That's yeah, cool. totally candid, you know, and and it's a beautiful moment. It's never going to be making fun of someone. So, you ever you ever had a situation where someone you were taking a photo of noticed you and are like, "Hey, what the heck are you doing? Delete my photo oh, yeah. off your camera." Yeah. No, um, I it, you know people have noticed after I take. The whole point is to not be noticed until the picture is in the camera. Otherwise, the moment is gone if they notice you. So that's why you have to be really quick, and uh, and subtle. But um, it's happened that after I take the shot, as I'm walking away, the person noticed that I raised my camera. And uh, no, it's never a problem. I've, I, I, what I do is important. And I think once you, 
you feel good about what you do and you know that it has actually it will potentially have value historical value someday um and that's so important to do it well for that reason too then um if people come and ask you just say just tell them what you're doing you know I'm, I'm documenting life on the streets of new york paris wherever mm-hmm. and uh it's more curiosity people just don't know what you're going to do with those photographs or are they for you know you're going to sell them to a newspaper or something so um it's uh, never had any problem and and no it's no different i don't treat any uh place differently uh, i use the same respect and approach whether I'm in Melbourne or in Rome, so it, it, it or New York, it's always the same. And if you do that and you're respectful, you'll never get in trouble. All right, parting shots here. Last question for folks that are that are watching or listening to this, and what would be a good just sort of. You know, somebody either either an amateur or a beginner that wants to get into street photography or someone who's already in it and wants to take it to the next level and do something interesting and out of the box. What did, what advice would you give to this group of people that are looking to the the, the sage street photographer Valerie Jardin? Well, really, don't expect to have 10 keepers at the end of the day. People, If, if you have so many great pictures, then usually the bar is pretty low. So uh, you'll have some good pictures, but if you have one picture that stands out in a week of street photography that really you want to print, that's pretty good. So um, just keep raising the bar. Uh, don't shoot the same thing over and over again. Don't repeat yourself because the, you'll you won't have much satisfaction. Even if you're in, um, if you even if you don't travel, you don't have to travel. You should actually make your best work in your hometown. And so um, just try not to repeat yourself. Always find for a more challenging way to to see things and uh, an experiment. Get my latest book. Actually, there's 75 exercises for street photographers. <laughs> awesome. And what's the book again? Uh, I think you may have it, Frederick. Uh, street mm-hmm. photography assignments, 75 reasons to hit the streets and learn. Yes, I do have one. it. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, so people have actually, one one of my uh, students, uh, a young guy who just started with street photography, was just on my workshop and um, he's been working exercise after exercise after exercise and I'm blown away how he's improved just by following this, you know, the, the, the progression and finding more difficult things. So uh, he was living proof that the book actually works. <laughs> and yeah, I'll link to that definitely in the, the description for this YouTube video and also in the show notes on thisweekinphoto.com so people can click over to it and grab that. Yeah, great book. Um, published by our Rocky, Rocky Nook. Nook friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's uh, in Italian and German now too as well. So Excellent. So okay. what's next? What's next for Valerie? I'm just going to be traveling again. I'm just so excited. Uh, every year You're in I town add for one two weeks, two. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I'm teaching in Minneapolis actually uh, to, tomorrow. But um, I, um, I'm going to write more books. Um, I have other other things, you know, more live action stuff um, filming maybe next year. And uh, yeah, just continue to inspire and share and and have fun. I mean, it is, I'm having so much fun that, um, again, if it stopped being fun, I would stop doing it. You can't do this. You can't teach if you're not having fun doing it. I think no one would learn. No one would have fun. And uh, the camaraderie of a workshop is just so 
so amazing. And so I'm always ready for the next adventure. So I'm hoping 2022 is a normal year where it starts in Paris in January and just keeps on going to November without interruptions. Uh, that would be really, really good because, um, uh, because I'm going to new places. I'm going back to Rome uh, for two workshops. I'm going to Denmark for a, a new workshop uh, next year. So new places and and uh, a lot of lot of friends coming back to uh, to to those places with me. And so it's always fun. My my workshop that I just did was a hundred percent repeat. So wow. Uh, so wow. I felt like I was going on vacation with friends. <laughs> it was pretty wow. cool. Wow, that yeah, is fantastic. So. That is fantastic. Congratulations on all that, Valerie. Thank Valerie, you. you are you are the portrait of a photographer who has found herself, right? So yeah, you, you know, know what you want to shoot, you know what you like, you know what you don't like, yeah. and you're just you're leaning into the stuff that you do well and moving away from the stuff that you don't like that much, right? Life's too short, you know. Mm -hmm. It's uh, do what you love and. Uh, yeah, a lot of people say, "Oh, you living everybody's dreams." Like, yeah, well, it it didn't just happen, you know. It's not just yeah. luck. It was hard work, but and it's hard work to maintain it. But there's nothing else I would prefer to do. I mean, I I, I don't miss. You know, I never miss working for clients. Um, I shoot for me. I have no one to please but me. And then if people like what they see and they like my way of teaching, well then. I, we have we have a blast on on workshops and they learn and we have fun and uh, yeah it, it changed I love that I'm changing people's lives in in many ways you know they they discover something that they that when people get hooked in in photography it changes their lives and so I I love that and I love to see the them growing in, in their in their craft it's uh it's so rewarding for an ins instructor so yeah. love it love it love it love it all right we'll leave it right there valerie where where should people go to sign up for the workshop and um, buy the book easy. and do everything <laughs> <laughs> Google my name, you'll find me Valérie Jardin, V-A-L-E-R-I-E-J-A-R-D-I-N.com. And that's it. All roads lead Instagram to Valerie. And on Instagram as well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. We'll leave it there. Valerie, thanks for coming on. Always Thank a pleasure you, chatting with you. Congratulations in this. I don't know if you'd call this a next chapter. It's just kind yeah. of like you know it's it's a thick book right it's exactly <laughs> so. it's it's cool you know as long as i'm still paying for uh for the all the services for the podcast who knows i may just publish an episode out of the blue in six months you never know so stay subscribed to hit the streets <laughs> you don't want to miss right. one of these elusive episodes I'm very spontaneous <laughs> so you never know what's could happen <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All right, Valerie, you have you, you have a good time teaching in Minneapolis and safe travels on your next uh, jump across the ocean there. Thank you. All right. Take care, Valerie. This is Twitter.